Okay, jumping on to Wisconsin. So we're first going to look at the way the scales were tipped before the election. Now, of course, this is not actual electoral fraud, and this would not be invalidated by courts after an election because these are laws that were passed by the state. Um, we're going to look at some ways that, though, that the courts could have thrown some of this stuff out because there was one particular case of a blatant violation of state law, and uh, that it's 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 going to be very interesting. Uh, I didn't even know this because I hadn't really been followed Wisconsin, following Wisconsin closely since this happened. It's worth only 10 electoral votes, too. So compared to the slightly larger states of, you know, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Georgia, it's it's not as it doesn't register as much on the radar. But mm -hmm. under the right combinations of certain states, Wisconsin could have been the make or break state. Now, to understand Wisconsin, you first have to understand the University of Wisconsin, which is one of the most left wing, like most radical universities in the country. That is a state school. You have to understand Madison, Wisconsin, which is a complete is completely different from the rest of the state. Like it, Madison, Wisconsin is the Portland, Oregon of the Midwest. It's a God. fairly small city, but it's heavily populated by wannabe hippies, by hipsters who have basically become failures in life and have turned to radical politics. You know, basically you take the average like 20 something white person with a flat brimmed hat with ears who have been <laughs> pierced out with these huge earrings, oh, the nose loops. rings. Oh. It's like basically somebody who wishes they were uh, a primitive African tribesman who is living in a first world country but trying to pretend like they don't. Yeah, basically just the the most the weirdos of the country. And they hate that they are surrounded by these redneck rural, you know, Midwestern farmers. Yeah, yeah, they hate Christianity, they hate America, they hate everything about modernity. And it's almost like they wish they lived in a primitive society with uh, where they had Starbucks. You know, you know the type that <laughs> someone who wishes they could live in a communal, not even a Marxist country, but a communal society where everyone holds hands and sings Kumbaya, lives in, you know, basically lives on in Tahiti. But you've got a Starbucks on the corner. Like that. So basically, like that one episode of Game of Thrones, the Starbucks cup can be seen on the table. Right. If they yes, want to live. Yes. <laughs> you got to understand Wisconsin. These are the kind of people who are uh, voting. And of course, they're very politically active. Like they're not the kind. They're just like you know, I'm just going to smoke pot and let the world go to go to pot. No, no, these are people who are extremely active, like the Antifa type. So to understand Wisconsin, you have to understand Madison. Now, before the election even started, Wisconsin, like a lot of other states, altered its ballot integrity procedures. This is a common theme with these states. They altered their ballot integrity procedures, making it harder to catch illegal ballots. And the results are very clear. In 2018. There were 21,675 votes that were rejected. In 2020, there were 969 votes that were rejected. And um, Biden's margin of victory was less than 21,000. So less than the number of ballots that were rejected in, in 2018. I think it was like the second closest of the swing states, only behind Georgia. Yes, yes. In October 2019, the Wisconsin Elections Commission indicated that it would ignore Wisconsin law by refusing to remove from the state's voter rolls the names of 234,000 people who had moved either out of state or to a different city in Wisconsin. After the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty sued the WEC, the Wisconsin Election Commission, an Ozaukee County Circuit Court judge ordered the election commissioners to remove the names from the rolls. They refused. They basically told this judge to go shove it. They, they defied a judge. They That's, defied a oh, judge. Okay. They just flatly refused. Like, no, we're not doing that. The judge then held them in contempt of court and ordered them to pay a fine each day they refused to follow his order. But instead of complying, the WC's three Democrat-appointed commissioners, Mark Thompson, Ann Jacobs, and Julie Glasney, filed an appeal. The Fourth District Court of Appeals had twice before refused to hear their request to throw out the order. But once it became clear that they were going to have to pay a fine if they didn't comply with the order, uh, the district court's three liberal judges allowed the WC to continue to ignore the clear letter and intent of the state law. 
and allowed them to escape without a fine. So they just basically defied the order. They appealed, and the liberals on the on the appeals court said, "Okay, yeah, you don't have to follow the law. You can just you can literally just commit a crime and get away with it." Mm -hmm. The only protection Wisconsin had against the use of these phantom voters to commit massive fraud, these two hundred thirty four thousand voters, would be the state's voter ID law. But county clerks in Dane and Milwaukee County found a loophole that rendered this protection largely moot by telling all voters in their counties to declare themselves indefinitely confined because of COVID. The McIver Institute found that nearly 200,000 voters marked themselves as indefinitely confined ahead of the Wisconsin ahead of Wisconsin's presidential primary, and an additional 49,769 did so before the general election, meaning that nearly a quarter of a million voters were now designated as indefinitely confined and thus exempt from the voter ID requirements. By contrast, a total of just 72,000 voters in 2019 were marked as indefinitely confined, meaning that there was a 230, a 238% increase. So, of course, we got to go back in Wisconsin as well to 2016, where uh, by this point, of course, Trump had decisively won the Electoral College in a legitimate election. That was actually an election that was not interfered with by all of this, you know, tipping of the scales, mail-in balloting, mail-in balloting and voter fraud and stuff. And Wisconsin was one state that was especially close, again, like it was this year. And the third party candidate that year was one of them was Green Party candidate Jill Stein, who had been the nominee in 2012. In both 2012 and 2016, the, the Libertarian and Green Party nominees were the exact same people. It was Gary Johnson for the Libertarians and Jill Stein for the Greens. And of course, just as the Libertarians are widely seen as a party that siphons votes away from Republicans because they're fiscally conservative, the Green Party overwhelmingly takes votes away from the Democrats because they're a socialist party. They're all about, you know, get rid of fossil fuels, all that stuff. And in Wisconsin, Jill Stein's campaign filed a lawsuit to demand a recount in Wisconsin because it was so close. And they're like, you know, we, we think that a recount may show a different result. And as it as the recount initially progressed, they found more votes for Trump than for Hillary previously. And the Democrats just brought down hellfire and brimstone on the Green Party. It was like, what are you doing? Stop this. Shut this down. Make us look bad. And they, they were so mad at the Green Party. So then... In the state of Wisconsin in 2020, knowing full well that the Green Party could screw them over again, the Democrats sued to have the Green Party removed from the ballot. And get this, they succeeded. Do I even need to say any more at that point? But when you look at why they succeeded, <laughs> succeeded <sighs> this, is in, this is insane. And here's the funniest thing, is that in Wisconsin in 2016, Jill Stein did get roughly 31,000 votes, which is really pretty impressive. And in the overall state, Trump beat Clinton by about 22,000 votes. So absolutely, if those votes had gone to Hillary, she would have won Wisconsin. It's arguable if Jill Stein had not been on the ballot in 2016, Hillary Clinton would have decisively won Wisconsin. Which right? would but not have 10,000 votes. Yeah, right. yeah, and 10 electoral votes, which wouldn't have been enough to sway the election, but it still would have, you know, it would have slightly lessened the sting. So Democrats did not forget about this. And in August, the new Green Party nominee, Howie Hawkins and his running mate, Angela Walker, submitted a nominating petition with 3,966 signatures. A candidate needs only 2,000 to get on the presidential ballot in Wisconsin, and they had nearly twice that much. Two days after they turned in their signatures to the WEC, longtime Democrat lawyer and donor Alan Arnston challenged them, claiming that Walker had listed an incorrect address on a number of petitions and that 2,046 signatures on that petition should be invalidated. According to Wisconsin law, Arnston was required to provide evidence that the signatures were invalid or else they would be presumed to be valid. In his challenge, Arnston admitted that he had no proof that the address was incorrect. He merely asserted 
information and belief. Quote, information and belief. Yeah, you compare and that so, to the evidence that the Trump lawyers presented in court. I remember how every time, every single time that Trump lawyers would bring a case to a judge, the judge would say, well, this is just based on belief. This is based on accusations. This is based on uh, you know allegations. You don't have any proof to back it up. And uh, look how they treat, <laughs> treat this guy. This is unreal. It, it gets worse. When the WEC met to discuss the issue, Chairwoman Ann Jacobs would not allow the Green Party's attorney to argue the case. Uh, did I miss something here? <laughs> like, hang, hang on. Can you imagine how fast the Rittenhouse trial would have been if the defense wasn't allowed to argue and the prosecution was allowed to just rip into him and, and point a gun at the jury? Well, you know, this like, is the society that the Madison Marxists want. This is literally the. This is this is straight out of Madison. Like this is what the Madison Marxists, the Portland Marxists. These are the. This is the kind of people these people are. They don't want the opposition to have the right to speak. And this is what we're seeing on college campuses. We've been seeing this on college campuses for six, seven, eight years, where a a young man, a male student, is accused of rape. Yeah, he goes before or of sexual Mattress assault. Girl. Yep. Yeah, he goes before a basically a Bolshevik court. He's not allowed to bring a lawyer, not allowed to defend himself. He's not allowed to even present his his accuser. He doesn't even know who accused him. Exactly. And he's kicked out of college because of it. His li And his life is ruined because mm -hmm. of it. And I mean, of course, years later, she finally does more or less admit that she was full of it. And it turns out she fabricated it and he was innocent all along. And by that point, it's too late. I mean, he wasn't I think he was a foreign exchange student. He's, I think he was a, a German student. So he just went back to Germany, I think, which is the best thing to do at this point. Yeah, yeah but absolutely. Yeah. I'd get the hell out of America. Exactly. But it really is the meme, guilty until proven innocent. That is, they want that complete reversal of our justice system. And, and you see it elsewhere. I mean, even with more basic tactics like intimidation of the jury, we saw this in the Ahmed Aubrey trial that in the days leading up to the verdict, Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton were seen by multiple witnesses in the gallery in the courtroom, staring down the members of the jury, mm -hmm. not even paying attention to the defense of the prosecution. They're staring at the jury. And you've got mobs of BLM protesters outside the courthouse chanting so loud their chants can be heard in the courthouse. And they're threatening to burn the city down if the, the guys are found not guilty. So under this system, it is no wonder then that, again, without the Green Party being allowed to argue, the three members of the commission, who are all Democrats, voted to ignore the to, to just ignore the law. The law? What's that? Constitution? Pull a Nancy Pelosi. We're not going to pay attention to that. They presumed the signatures were invalid, and they kicked the Green Party off the ballot while leaving the Libertarian Party and the Constitution Party. That's a party people. a lot of people forget about. That is the genuine, like, right-wing national populist party. I mean, it's way ahead of where the Republicans are. It has not made a lot of inroads. Again, the Libertarians mostly siphoned away a lot of votes from them, but they, they had some luck in the 2010 uh, governor's race in Colorado. But they left the Constitution Party and the Libertarian Party on the ballot and not the Green Party. So, I mean, draw your own conclusions from inevitably from what happens there. And the same month, get this, the WEC also voted to reject the candidacy of Kanye West, of Yee, the guy, the guy, the guy who got red-pilled in 2018 courtesy of Candace Owens, because, you know, he ran for president. That's the thing people forget. He ran for president under the banner of the birthday party. <laughs> what a great name for a party. They denied his petition for access to Wisconsin's ballot because his attorney was allegedly 14 days, weeks, 14 seconds late. The deadline was 5 p.m. He delivered it at 5 p.m. And they said, well, because it was already 5 p.m. when you got here, it was too late. It was late. You had the signatures and everything, but it, it was too late. You can't make this stuff up. This is this, this is, is actual banana republic garbage. Yeah, right? yeah, it really is. On Saturday, now here's another here's another banana. Here's some more banana republic garbage. On Saturday, September 26th, and and Saturday, October 3rd, the city of Madison held a quote unquote democracy in the park event 
in which voters could drop off their absentee ballots in a direct violation of early voting limits. In June, a federal appeals court limited in-person voting to 14 days before Election Day. Uh, In 2020, in-person early voting could not start until October 20th. So you couldn't actually start early voting until October 20th. Madison held these events September 26th and October 3rd. In an obvious attempt to boost turnout for Biden, the state's most heavily Democratic city, Madison violated this deadline by allowing voters to fill out and turn in their ballots in each one of the city's parks. So every single city park, they were able to do this. When contacted with concerns over this and asked to investigate, the Wisconsin Elections Commission, the WEC, refused. They said that it was the city of Madison's job to monitor the event, not their job. (laughs) Why do they exist? What is their purpose? They literally have no purpose and should be disbanded immediately. One article wrote, Quote, in other words, the the body tasked with overseeing election activities in Wisconsin was refusing to oversee election activities in Wisconsin. Biden was rather obviously the preferred candidate as his campaign advertised the Madison's two, uh, Madison's two events on radio stations across the city. The standard, quote, I'm Joe Biden. I approve this message disclaimer ended the commercial and God. the Biden Wisconsin 2020 victory website promoted the events as being hosted by Wisconsin 2020 victory. Biden's campaign presented these events as if they were presented by the Biden campaign. And this is these like events, they didn't hide it. They didn't even hide it. These these events are hosted by say this is what happens when you have total complete Marxist control. You can these people in Madison are literal Marxists. Like you can just completely run everything and blatantly violate election laws. And there's nothing that the government's going to do to you because the government is run by your people. When concerns were raised about the legality of this activity, the Wisconsin by the uh, Wisconsin Republican Party, uh, the party sent a letter to city clerk Maribeth Witzelbell. All these German names in Wisconsin. Just, <laughs> like they should have had a law in saying you cannot become an American citizen unless you change your name to something we Anglos can pronounce. <laughs> So uh, they sent a letter to Witzelbell instructing her to keep all ballots collected at the event segregated in anticipation of a possible lawsuit. She instead raced back to her office to mix up those ballots as fast as she could with other presumably legally collected ones so that it would be impossible to challenge them in court. Okay. <laughs> like that that's totally like mi- mixing a bunch of counterfeit money with real money. Uh-huh, and then they yeah. can't find out what the counterfeit money is. Like. In 2018, late counted ballots tipped the gubernatorial election from a comfortable win for Republican Scott Walker to a 1.1% win for Democrat Tony Evers. Almost exactly two, two years later, The almost exact same scenario played out Wednesday morning on Election Day 2020. So Wisconsin, like a lot of other states, another thing about Wisconsin was they also had same-day registration. So if you didn't get your ballot sent into one of these parks illegally, you could legally come and register the day of election. Like they could go around to nursing homes to, you know, just random people in the street. Hey, you know, come come vote. I'll slip you a $100 bill if you'll come vote, that kind of thing. Not saying that people did that, but that creates the possibility for people to do that when you have same-day registration. Now, a little bit of a white pill, before the election, the Supreme Court ruled that mail-in votes that arrived after November 3rd could not count. They should have done this with Pennsylvania, and they would have if Coney Barrett had been seated before the election. But unfortunately, she wasn't seated. So the, the, the Supreme Court did rule correctly on Wisconsin, at least. Okay, now jump into Election Day. Obviously, everyone who saw the election, they saw the Biden spike at 4 a.m. Wisconsin, it was a similar case as Michigan. Same, you know, the same story, two different states. Trump was well ahead. He was comfortably ahead in Wisconsin. And all of a sudden at 4 a.m., Biden shoots up and takes quickly takes the lead. Biden got more people to vote for him in Milwaukee County than Obama did at the height of his popularity in 2008. Now, what makes this all the more strange is that Milwaukee County has lost tens of thousands of residents in the years between 2008 and 2020 
And yet there were more people on hand to pull the lever for old Joe than there were for Obama. Something doesn't add up there, folks. Uh, yeah. Like Pennsylvania, state law prohibits election clerks from starting to process absentee ballots before 7 a.m. on election day. So it's understandable that it's going to take a couple of days to finish counting the votes with Wisconsin. That is something that people do need to take into account when they're assessing whether or not there was voter fraud in Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Georgia. Before the jump, Trump was up by more than 116 votes at 51% to Biden's 47%. Now, the official explanation for this lurch in Biden votes was that Biden passed uh, was that uh, so he they claimed that Biden passed Trump at 3:30 a.m. as everyone could see, because the city of Milwaukee reported its 169,000 absentee votes all at the same time. The votes were reported together because Milwaukee and 38 other communities used a central count location. Other communities counted absentee ballots at the polling places and reported them earlier along with their in-person vote, whereas Milwaukee did not do that. From 3.26 to 3.44 a.m. in the Associated Press election reporting stream, the vote for Biden jumped by 149,520, 9.2% of Biden's total votes, and Trump's vote jumped by 31,803 for 2% of his total votes. Milwaukee County accounted for nearly all of that jump. In 2016, Hillary Clinton won the city of Milwaukee by 77% to 18%, and polling leading up to the election showed 81% of the people planning to vote absentee in Wisconsin supported Biden. So... Okay, so that that kind of that that does offer a little bit of explanation that 81% of people before the election said they were going to vote absentee and they were going to vote for Biden. According to the Associated Press, the city didn't finish counting its roughly 169,000 absentees until around 3 a.m. When they did, Milwaukee police escorted the city's election director from a central counting location to the county courthouse to deliver thumb drives with the data, and it was immediately folded into the overall count. And this is from Urban Milwaukee. So this is the chain of custody of what happened in Wisconsin. We didn't really get this in Michigan, though at least Urban Milwaukee did kind of follow the chain of custody as well as other news outlets. So well after 2 a.m., over 200,000 ballots remained uncounted in Wisconsin, including 169,541 from Milwaukee, as the AP reported. Biden's margin over Trump in the city expanded from 6632 to 7920 as 143,124 of the 169 absentee ballots, or 84%, went to the Democratic candidate. So before the election, polling showed that 81% of absentee voters in Milwaukee were going to vote for Biden. The final count was 84%, a jump of three percentage points. Okay, so here's the chain of custody. Claire Whittle Vogue, the Milwaukee Election Commission Executive Director, estimated that the third shift of 400 workers at the city's central count facility wouldn't finish the work until 4 a.m., but by 2.50 a.m., she became a rock star because they were able to finish early. With the election workforce almost entirely sent home as work wound down, dozens of media members and election observers followed her as she went machine to machine exporting the results. Just after 3 a.m., she was es escorted by multiple police officers into an elevator and out to an awaiting Milwaukee Police Department SUV. She was driven 12 flash drives and printouts in hand to the Milwaukee County Courthouse to submit the results to the Milwaukee County Election Commission. Whittle Vogue walked into the county courthouse the same way she left the central account facility with a flock of reporters and cameras in tow. After a brief, pre after a brief press conference with county election director Julietta Henry and clerk George Christensen, the three went into an office to upload the results. After resolving a discrepancy with the number of ballots the city had received attributed, attributed to a timing issue um, with when a, t when a ward total was generated, at 4 a.m. the county said all ballots were accounted for. A typical, now just for reference, this ward that they had an issue with, 
a typical ward in Milwaukee has about 800 to 1,000 votes. So if, if you want to, say, claim fraud in this ward, you would subtract 800 to 1,000 votes, just round it off to 900 from Biden's total. Now, what happened with this ward? <clears throat> well, according to Whittle Vogue, she says the flash drive was sitting in a tabulated machine. A senior staff member removed the flash drive and turned it over to a Milwaukee police officer who then delivered it to her 10 minutes later. She alleges that the incident did not alter the results of the election and that the district attorney's office conducted an investigation to establish chain of custody. Sources told Wisconsin right now that police on the scene were pressured to stay silent and that police felt threatened by the district attorney investigators and election personnel who were present during the incident and didn't want to tell anyone what actually happened. So one innocuous uh, explanation for this could be that the district attorney just didn't want the police officers to report something that wasn't true, didn't want the police officers to spread rumors, didn't want the police officers to, you know, maybe give a co contradicting set of explanations that might cause conspiracy theorists to run wild. Or it could be this was a case of fraud and police officers saw what happened and they didn't want to report it because they were pressured, they were threatened that they would be fired. This is all the information we have, so you can take it for what it is. This is, again, a ward typically has anywhere from 800 to 1,000 people who voted. There's typically about 1,200 to 1,400 registered voters in a ward. So anyway, anyway that happened during that uh, vote lurch for Biden. A system, Another system glitch allegedly gave Biden 19,000 of Trump's votes. Now, this is one thing that a lot of people say, well, 19,000, you just throw in a couple more thousand, you have enough votes to overcome. And even if you attribute those votes to Trump, Trump easily wins Wisconsin. So the county and the AP claimed that this was an error on uh, on the part of AP, that this wasn't an error on the part of the county. So the Associated Press, they claim mis uh, they gave these votes to Biden rather than Trump. And as a result, what you had was like on Fox News, uh, say at 11.44 p.m., Fox News was reporting a one total. And then 11.55, Fox News was reporting a different total, having given 19,000 votes from Trump to Biden that they previously reported for Trump. So... This actually kind of checks out because the in 2016, Clinton beat Trump in this county by 10.4 percentage points. And after the votes allegedly were misattributed to Trump and then given back to Biden, Biden beat Trump by 11.1 percentage points. So I'm going to take the county's word for it and take the AP's word for it that this was was a mistake on the part of the AP. There were reports. Uh, there were also reports of more votes than registered voters. That were um, this, however, was explained by claiming that the Republicans and Trump supporters who claimed this were using outdated voter lists. They were using 2018 voter lists. So, for instance, conservative commentator Mike Coldrey claimed that there was fraud and said that only 3,129,000 people were registered to vote in the state. That was the voter registration figure right before the 2018 midterm elections. But as of 7 p.m. on Sunday. Um, but as of 7 p.m. the Sunday before the election, the Wisconsin Elections Commission reported 3,684,729 registered voters. They also, in Wisconsin, the way they figure out, and this is what we're actually we're going to get into this now. Remember, there were claims that there was an 89% voter turnout in Wisconsin. This was spread, especially by in, Eric Trump. In, uh, Milwaukee. Well, the statewide. They were saying oh, there, statewide. Was statewide, there was statewide. Really? There was an 89% voter turnout. And this is something that I was looking at at the time. I was like, well, there's obvious fraud. And I immediately assumed Wisconsin, Trump won Wisconsin. This is obvious fraud. There's no way. No that jurisdiction Wisconsin in the country has 89% turnout. That just right, doesn't right. happen. That, that, that never happens. Well, 
that figure was actually based on registered voters. So even if you take, because like Mike Caldry was saying, look, there were more votes than registered voters. He was using outdated numbers. Even if you take the updated numbers, you take the 3.6 million that was recorded the Sunday before, so just two days before election, even if you take that number, the 89% does check out. 89%, there were 89% of people of that number who voted. But Wisconsin doesn't calculate voter turnout based on registered voters because they have same-day registration. They calculate it based on every single adult 18 years and older who is eligible to vote. So everyone who isn't a convicted felon who is 18 years and older, they take that as the pool of voters. And if you count it like that, then um, the turnout was actually 73%. On November 6th, Assembly Speaker Robin, um, uh, Republican Assembly Speaker Robin Voss, because Wisconsin, like Pennsylvania, Michigan, is controlled by Republicans. Republicans control the state legislature. Um, so Robin Voss, the speaker, uh, the Assembly Speaker, ordered the Assembly's committee overseeing elections to lead an investigation under a state statute that allows lawmakers to require testimonies to issue subpoenas. So one thing that I pointed out with both Michigan and Wisconsin is these allegedly these big urban cities, like these big uh, corrupt cities, these big Democrat-controlled cities, were the ones that led the fraud. They were the ones that tipped the scales in favor of Biden. And, of course, we debunked the Robert Barnes theory that it was just these big four that Biden won and every other major urban center Biden lost. That was not the case. Detroit In Detroit, Trump improved his showing in 2020 over 2016. In Philadelphia, he improved his showing over 2016, which was not the case in many urban cities across the country. And again, in Milwaukee, we look at we've got a common trend. Trump improves his percentage among black voters in big urban areas. His percentage among suburban voters, among especially suburban white people, college educated white people, decreases. In Wisconsin, though, it's a little bit that there's some anomalies here that we want to point out. And this is an article from Inside Sources titled Hold It. Wisconsin's vote just doesn't look right. And it's uh, written by an uh, author named Margaret Menji, who says she is a longtime journalist and native of Madison, Wisconsin, and has spent years studying voter rolls, election laws, and election returns. I've spent the last several days studying the returns of Wisconsin, and I'm convinced that something happened that should not have happened, something that altered the outcome. She focuses specifically on the upper middle class Milwaukee suburb of Wauwatosa, and she calls it astounding. They show that Joe Biden got 20,880 votes, which is 4,564 more than Hillary got in 2016 and 5,660 more than Obama got in 2012 in his reelection. Trump also slightly increased his vote total in the city from 10,034 votes in 2016 to 10,104, so an increase of exactly 70 votes. How did Biden increase his vote total by 28% in a city that only recently flipped to become a majority Democrat? Who are these additional 4,564 voters who didn't vote for Clinton four years ago, but were motivated to vote for Joe Biden? Wauwatosa's population has grown at a rate of less than 0.5% a year on average. In 2010, its population, according to the census, was 46,396. It's now 48,118, according to the 2019 census estimate. So you see an increase right there of less than 2,000 votes, and yet somehow 4,000 more people voted for Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. Similar and even bigger jumps can be seen in almost every suburb in Milwaukee County. Unbelievable vote totals for Biden when compared to Clinton in 2016 and Obama in 2012. In West Alice, Whitefish Bay, River Hills, Glendale, Fox Point, Kudahi, and about every other town and village in the county. Again, this is surrounding Milwaukee. They can also be seen in the three counties that are surrounding Milwaukee. Washington, Ozaki, and Waukesha County, where, of course, that recent terrorist attack happened. 
It's as if someone manning the central controls turned the dial up, she said, adding 10 to 40 percent more votes for Biden in community after community. Terry Dietrich, chairman of the Republican Party of Waukesha County, points to Biden votes in Brookfield, which borders Milwaukee County. Quote, it's very, very big. And it's like, boy, this just doesn't seem right. Absentee ballots in particular showed close to 80 percent going for Biden. Trump still won Brookfield overall, getting 53.5 percent of the vote. But Biden got 12,434 votes in the city, a 36 percent increase over Clinton four years prior. And then she goes through a list of a handful of other examples of Biden just seeing these massive jumps from, again, which needs to be pointed out, the enthusiasm gap we talked about in the previous episode, the massive like 36 point gap of the more enthusiasm for Trump than for Biden, especially when you compare that even to Clinton and Obama, Clinton, who would have been the first female president and Obama being reelected to the first black president. It's just unrealistic because I'm, I'm looking at I just pulled up this article. I'm looking at some of these numbers, 28 percent, 54 percent, 34 percent, 41 percent, 40 percent. It just it does not make sense at all. So if you look at other suburban counties, like say around Philadelphia, the increase from uh, to Biden from Hillary was like ten percent, twelve percent, at most fifteen percent. Every now and then, maybe one would break twenty percent, but it's very rare. Most of the time, it's more like eight percent. It's in the single digits. You don't see these numbers in other states, like thirty five percent, forty percent. It just it, it yeah. So this doesn't add up. It, it doesn't make any sense at all. It and, literally shows more votes for Biden between just the four years from here to twenty sixteen then there are people who add to the population of these areas, which mm -hmm. is literally impossible. Yeah, so this this is obviously, this is just simply, it, it, this isn't just an anomaly. And this it's so is, widespread. It's across multiple counties, mainly within Milwaukee County, but in the surrounding counties as well. Well, one reason for this might be because of dead people. Uh, w, oh, that's right. WISN, and on November 12th, 2020, found a woman who voted who was deceased. WISN found one such case. It says, Wisconsin woman wonders why incapacitated mother voted this month. In early October, Janet's mother passed away at her assisted living facility following a long battle with dementia. Ethel, who was 95, lived a long, full life, and Janet did not consider her death a surprise. What was a surprise, however, was the fact that two weeks earlier, Ethel returned an absentee ballot. She voted, said Janet, whose name has been changed to protect identities. Quote, she hasn't been lucid enough to make any qualified decision for years. I was her power of attorney and had legal paperwork stating she was incapacitated and not able to make her own decisions, which is on record at her facility. The Dan O'Donnell Show has reviewed both Ethel's voting record and her death notice, which indicates that she was born in 1925 and passed away in early October. Janet, who fears reprisal if she reveals her real name, confirms that her mother's condition steadily worsened since her, she first entered assistant living in 2012, and at the time, and since that time, she has been wholly unable to make any decisions on her own, least of all for whom to vote. Quote, she, was not, she has not watched TV or read a newspaper in years. She just did not care about it anymore, she said. Ethel's publicly available voting records, however, indicate that she has voted absentee by mail in every election since 2012, save for the 2017 spring election. 2018 spring election, 2018 partisan primary, 2018 gubernatorial election, and 2019 spring election. So whoever's been voting for Ethel has just been hitting the presidential elections. After what appears to be a three-year gap in voting after the 2016 presidential election, Ethel's records indicate that she began voting again in the 2020 spring election, which was conducted during the height of the COVID-19 pandemic, and as a result, saw a dramatic increase in mail-in voting. In March, WC, the WC suspended the requirement that absentee ballots are hand-delivered to assisted living facilities by qualified special voting deputies. 
quote, the commission directed municipal clerks to mail absentee ballots directly to residents in nursing homes and care facilities instead of dispatching teams of special voting deputies to those places where vulnerable populations live, they said in a statement. Normally, teams of special voting deputies and political party observers conduct voting in common areas and potentially in residents' rooms to assist with absentee voting. Because the WC determined that those deputies and poll watchers were non-essential workers, they would no longer be allowed to come into homes like the one in which Ethel had been living. A ballot would instead be mailed directly to her. And as we're going to see, this blew up in 2021. But before we get too far ahead of ourselves, we're going to go through some of the some of the court battles and stuff that uh, played out in Wisconsin, some of the affidavits and claims of fraud before we get into the really juicy stuff in the aftermath of the election. On November 16th, three Republican voters represented by a True the Vote attorney dropped a lawsuit in Green Bay in which they claimed, quote, illegal ballot stuffing, ballot harvesting and other illegal voting that had uh, and that there had been evidence of enough illegal mail-in ballots counted in the three counties to invalidate the election results. They initially argued that the sudden flood of mail-in ballots had left election workers unable to carefully review those ballots for fraudulent ones. So they weren't claiming fraud on the part of the election workers, and this is key through a lot of these lawsuits. They were claiming fraud, like a bunch of fraudulent votes were being cast, and the election voters simply didn't have time or the resources to sift through them. On November 18th, the Trump campaign paid the requisite $3 million for a recount in Milwaukee and Dane counties because it was within the margin of error, the, the election it is, which allowed for a recount. The three points of contention that the Trump campaign made in its lawsuits uh, that it filed in Wisconsin were indefinitely confined voters – but they couldn't prove how many of the 216 indefinitely confined voters were lying. That was a problem. Written applications and witness addresses. On November 24th, the Thomas More Society's Amistad Project asked the state Supreme Court to throw out the results of Wisconsin's presidential election and force the legislature to certify the state's presidential electors instead. It claimed to have identified over 150,000 potentially illegal votes or votes not counted. In the end, the recount netted 87 votes for Biden, adding 45 votes to Trump and 132 to Biden. So in the end, because of Trump's recount that he paid for, Biden ended up getting an additional 87 votes. And of course, the the media trumpeted this as uh, evidence that there's no widespread fraud. They, they recounted the votes that they counted on Election Day, so obviously there's no fraud. They tried – again, the same thing they tried with the Arizona audit. But there is there was a case of fraud, as we saw very quickly after this recount came out. A uh, case of lesbian fraud, to be exact. <laughs> this is from TMJ4.com. Cedarburg woman charged with election fraud accused of submitting dead partner's ballot. A Cedarburg war a woman was charged with election fraud after police investigation found that she had allegedly submitted an absentee ballot for, for her dead partner. Cedarburg police said these are the first voter fraud charges in the city's history. Uh, the first charges, not the first time it's happened, obviously. Investigators said that the suspect not only confessed, she also listed herself as the voter's witness on the ballot envelope. And so, you know, you receive a, a ballot for your dead husband, spouse, in this case, partner. You just fill it out yourself, sign it in their name, send it in, and it may or may not get called. In this case, it was called. On December, on December 1st, the Trump campaign sued to invalidate the Wisconsin results, citing four instances in which Trump's lawyers uh, claimed election workers illegally altered absentee ballot envelopes, counted ballots that had no required application, overlooked unlawful claims of indefinite confinement, and held illegal voting events. It sought to disqualify 221,000 votes. On December 3rd, the Wisconsin Supreme Court declined to hear it. Sidney Powell also filed a lawsuit on December 1st, but we can discount hers as unserious considering she wanted 48 hours of surveillance footage subpoenaed from the TCF Center. Remember where the TCF Center is? Detroit. Yeah, so not in Wisconsin. So as she's on, of course, her lawsuit. Oh, I forgot about that. What's, what's interesting about the Powell lawsuits is every single one of her lawsuits are just littered with spelling errors. 
Like there's spelling errors. Like she wrote them herself in a first draft. Yeah, there's spelling errors just filled with almost like she's trying to make a mockery of the election fraud lawsuits. I mean, if somebody didn't know any better, they think she's just basically trying to troll the Trump campaign. Like she would misspell stuff like district court. She'd write district instead of leave out the C or whatever. On December 2nd, the Trump campaign filed another lawsuit, this time against Green Bay, for illegally putting drop boxes at grocery stores and gas stations, which the city denied doing. On December 4th, the Wisconsin Supreme Court refused to hear a case in a 4-3 to decision brought by the Wisconsin Voter Alliance. The conservative, the so-called the quote-unquote conservative justice, Brian Hagedorn, joined the liberals in attacking the remedy sought by the plaintiffs and the case itself for lack of evidence. Now, the chief justice of the Wisconsin Supreme Court, who is also a conservative, said that um, it's a scary thoughts. He said he described it as quote-unquote scary thoughts that the court continued to refuse these cases and continued to, and he claimed that Justice Hagedorn had, quote, the cart before the horse and acting like agreeing to hear the evidence would be tantamount to agreeing with the plaintiffs. And this is what Hagedorn, he apparently a never Trumper, continued to do. Every time that there would be a case brought, he would say he would, instead of um, agreeing to hear the case, he would throw it out and attack the evidence. And what the chief justice was saying that this, this is scary stuff that the court is simply refusing to hear these cases. Because it wasn't a case where they presented the evidence like, no, you don't have enough evidence. We're going to have to rule against you. They were just throwing everything out, like everything that came through. Hagedorn and the Democrats, and the Democrats, the liberals on the court, they were just immediately throwing it all out. So in Wisconsin, there was no chance whatsoever. The Trump campaign had zero chance of having any of their cases heard, of having any of the evidence presented, of having anything overturned just because the Supreme Court was just as corrupt as the Washington, as the Wisconsin Elections Commission. On December 4th, the Trump campaign filed two new lawsuits in Milwaukee and Dane counties since part of the Supreme Court's rejection stemmed from its claim that circuit court judges should rule on many of these issues. Because of Trump's pending lawsuits, Wisconsin was the only state to miss the the safe harbor deadline of December 8th. On December 11th, over 20 people testified to the Wisconsin House's Assembly Election and Campaigns Committee alleging election irregularities, including ballot curing by poll workers. On December 11th, a lower court rejected the Trump campaign's challenge of Wisconsin's results. On December 12th, a Trump-appointed district judge, Brett Ludwig, allowed the Trump team to present its arguments and dismissed its suit. His basic argument was that everything they were claiming they could have challenged before the election. And, uh, of course, National Review released an article. It's, I mean, it kind of, in a sense, makes sense. They were saying that Ludwig, you know, unlike the Supreme Court, Ludwig was actually willing to hear the arguments. He let the campaign present the arguments, and they didn't have a case, so he rightfully threw it out. But part of the reason why the Trump campaign lawyers simply didn't have much of a case is because of the timing issues. The election is November 3rd. Again, yeah, they did not have time on their side. Yeah, they don't have time for discovery. They've got to throw together as much as they can. And really, what else could they throw together other than affidavits? I mean, it's not like there was security footage showing people actually committing fraud. All they had to go on was affidavits. And if you're going to investigate something, you've got to actually pursue those affidavits and look at the fraud, you know, subpoena witnesses. And that takes time, takes a week, takes two weeks, and the judges simply weren't allowed, weren't willing to delay the results of the election in order to investigate these fraud claims. And if you look at somebody like Hagedorn, then obviously they have a bone to pick with Trump. They have a personal vendetta against Trump over political reasons. If you look at the case in Nevada 
where the judge praised the running of the election. He praised the Secretary of State's office for running a smooth, clean election. And then he's faced with a court case that challenges that the Secretary of State did not run a smooth, clean election. And, and he insists he, he has no conflict of interest. Yeah, and he refuses to recuse himself. So a lot of these cases are simply cases of elite, never-Trump Republicans on these courts that want Trump to lose, just plain and simple. And this is why you don't see a major, any kind of major effort on the part of the RNC. Notice the R, where are the cases coming from the RNC? Exactly. Where's Ron or Romney McDaniel? Yeah, right. The RNC, from what I've seen, filed exactly zero lawsuits claiming election fraud. Zero. Exactly. They left it all on the Trump campaign. And again, a small team of, again, A-list individual lawyers, but they're just, they were just like four or five people. They did not have the manpower between Well, I wouldn't them. even call them A-list. I mean, the A-list lawyers quit. Because they were pressured to quit, well, they, they were forced. Out. Yeah, they were doxed off the. Like campaign. I said, they had to bring in the back end, you know, the retired, not even the backup quarterback, the retired quarterback to come in and take over and try to run this stuff. And then they got, they had to rely on Sidney Powell. And they had to dismiss her because of her uh, her insane theories. But with these cases, you really needed the RNC to step in with their resources, and they were simply refused to do it. Now, local Republican parties, like state Republican parties, individual Republican congressional candidates, they would bring lawsuits. But, of course, their resources are much more limited compared to the RNC, which, by the way, was racking up millions and millions of donations off over this. Stop the steal. So, yep. the, yeah, the RNC, this is what's so insidious. The RNC was campaigning off of this stuff, but they simply weren't spending resources to help Trump win the election, like overturn the election. And we literally know that. This from uh, Jenna Ellis, who was one of the members of Trump's team. In recent months, she spoke out about how she clashed with the RNC officials, and she has left has, has since left the Republican Party and is not registered Republican anymore. I don't blame and, her. And Ronna Romney McDaniel blocked her on Twitter when she called out, among other things, in the aftermath of the election before the inauguration, a top lawyer for the RNC named Justin Reamer ex explicitly said in an email that he hoped Trump would lose because it's easier for the RNC to raise money as the mm -hmm. opposition party. And she took that to Trump and with others from that legal team to, and they confronted Ronald McDaniel and she said, all right, he's going to be fired. Like within the day, he will be fired by tomorrow. And he was never fired and he still works for the RNC to this day. On December 14th, just hours before Wisconsin's electors voted, the Wisconsin Supreme Court threw out Trump's remaining lawsuit. And this is the one that they decided, the, the Wisconsin Supreme Court said, no, you need to file this in the lower court. The campaign was like, okay, we'll file it in lower court. They filed in lower court, went back to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court once again rejected. Because, I mean, the rhino and the three-year liberals were not going to hear anything that the Trump campaign produced. The campaign had asked the courts to throw out votes cast by voters who declared themselves indefinitely uh, confined, voters who delivered absentee ballots at October events hosted by the Madison City Clerk, which we mentioned earlier, voters who cast ballots at in-person early voting sites, and absentee ballots in which the voters' witnesses did not provide a complete mailing address. Hagedorn, our, our, our friend Hagedorn, again wrote the majority opinion. Notice how they have the rhino write the majority opinion. Yeah, they don't write it themselves. They're doing that to make it a statement, obviously. Yeah. So he wrote the majority opinion in the four to three, well, once again, a four to three decision that, quote, the challenge to the indefinitely confined voter ballots is meritless on its face, and the other three categories of ballots challenged fail under the doctrine of lashes. That means uh, the campaign took too long to file the suit. In their dissent, the three courts' conservative justices, including the, the chief justice, argued that the Trump campaign found, quote, troubling allegations of noncompliance with Wisconsin's election laws by municipal courts and the state elections commission. Quote, the majority's failure to act leaves an indelible stain on our most recent election, Justice Rebecca Bradley wrote in a dissent signed by two conservative justices. On Christmas Eve, the Seventh Circuit Court affirmed a district court ruling against Trump <coughs> claiming Wisconsin carried out its election lawfully and that the challenges brought by the Trump campaign could have been brought before the election. 
On December 29th, Trump asked the Supreme Court of the United States to take the case up, and SCOTUS refused. All right, so that concludes Wisconsin. Now, what happened in the aftermath? What happened in 2021? So now we're going to look at some of the juicy details of uh, things that have come out of Wisconsin. This is the thing. Whenever the election was over, I just kind of tuned out because at that point, what's the point in following this stuff? Like, it's over, you know. It, There's no point fighting it. Like, the inauguration is getting closer, all that fun stuff. And I think a lot of a lot of Republicans, a lot of conservatives took the same course. They didn't really keep up with this stuff. So most of this stuff was complete news to me because just because I hadn't been following what happened in Nevada, Wisconsin, Michigan. I followed a little bit in Arizona just because they had the forensic audit. But uh, so this is what happened in Wisconsin afterward. On In January, in a five to one vote with Republican appointees Dean Knudsen and Margo Bolsterman joining the three Democrat appointees, the commission, the, the Wisconsin Election Commission, the WC, again prevented the deployment of special voting deputies to care facilities for the upcoming spring primary on February 16th. They also allowed, get this, they allowed staff to fill in ballots for residents. So they allowed That's nursing legal. home staff to fill in ballots for residents because of COVID. They claimed they could not spend out the, send out the special deputies. And the thing with the special deputies is there would be observers who would go with them. There are no observers who are allowed in these nursing homes to observe whether or not there's any fraud being carried out. On March 23rd, the Republican-controlled Wisconsin Assembly passed a resolution into the, into the election. The report in June found that 13 cases had been referred to prosecutions for fraud. And then uh, Wisconsin election officials also identified an additional 27 potential cases in May. On May 26th, Wisconsin Assembly Speaker Robin Voss told Milwaukee Journal Sentinel that he was going to hire three former police officers to look into, into claims of widespread fraud and other tips they received about the election. They would be overseen by an attorney, they would have subpoena power, and they would deliver a report to Voss likely in the fall. On July 30th, Speaker Voss named a special counsel to the case. On October 22nd, the nonpartisan Legislative Audit Bureau released the results, the findings of an audit that it conducted. And um, it's the audit found that there were significant problems with the election, but it found that it didn't find widespread fraud, but it found significant issues that allowed Wisconsin poll workers to either break the law or violate things that were kind of murky in the law. And it recommended a long list of things to the WC that it could do to improve elections and also a list to the legislature for a potential legislative changes to the law. On October 28th, the Racine County Sheriff's Office asked the Wisconsin Department of Justice to investigate a case of seeming nursing home fraud. And this this uh, kind of went down a little bit of a rabbit trail. The WC commissioners and staff repeatedly re had repeatedly told nursing home staff members that they could assist residents in voting and even fill out ballots on residents' behalf. This is blatantly illegal. In Wisconsin, there is the Wisconsin law states that they're supposed to send out special voting deputies to nursing home facilities. In a typical year, the Mount Pleasant clerk at the Mount Pleasant nursing home in Racine County told investigators that usually approximately 10 people in the facility would vote and zero to three people would make a fresh request for an absentee ballot from the Ridgewood Care Facility. In 2020, 42 residents voted. So in a typical election year, 10 people would vote. In 2020, 42 voted, including 38 who made a new request for a ballot, whereas in a typical year, they would have three or less make a new request they had 38 make a new request. One of them who contacted this columnist last November told the Racine County Sheriff's Office that her mother, uh, one of the family members of these residents, she told the Racine County Sheriff's Office that her mother suffered from dementia and that the only president she could remember was JFK. Still, wow. according to My Vote Wisconsin records, she voted before passing away on October 9th, 2020. 
The Racine County Sheriff's Office investigation determined, uh, determined that multiple absentee ballots sent to the Ridgewood Care Center were, quote, pre-filled out by facility staff and that the voting itself was conducted by staff members under the direction of the facility's director of recreational therapy, who told investigators that, quote, if a resident could only point to the ballot, her staff would fill in the appropriate dot. <laughs> Can you imagine you show a ballot to a resident? Who would you like to vote for? Point. And you tell them to point. They point. They point at the ballot. Oh, Biden. OK, OK. Well, this resident wants to vote for Biden. It and was they, they pointed at Trump. It's just like, yeah, I'm just going to say, they said they pointed, they, well, they, pointed might, they might not even know what you're holding. They might think you're holding food and they point to the ballot. Or a bingo card. Yeah, or a yeah. bingo card. Exactly. Yeah. So it was revealed that ridiculous numbers of visitors, and this is the thing, in the logs, because they keep visitor logs. So in this Ridgewood Care Facilities logs, it was revealed that a ridiculous number of visitors arrived to clean fish tanks. To clean mop, fish tanks. To clean fish tanks. putting it. To mop the floor. To do maintenance. Apparently, they were having they were having so much trouble with their uh, their central air facility, their central air, you know, central heating uh, facility that they had to keep having the same mechanic come back over and over and over again to fix the issue. They had so many electrical problems. They had to have electrician after electrician come in and fix this. The the fish tanks just they wouldn't stay clean. They kept. And, and what do you know? All these problems suddenly stopped being problems on November third. Yes, uh, suddenly magically that that uh, they apparently did a really good job on November second because they didn't have any more problems after. <laughs> that they also they also found that staffers improperly completed a portion of the absentee ballots mishandled ballots and discussed the elections and candidates with the residents beyond merely reading them the ballots or turning on nbc news to spark an interest in voting so there's no observation there's no one watching what's going doing i mean you can it's very easy for a partisan nursing home worker to go in you got this individual who doesn't remember anybody since maybe bill clinton and you ask them if they want to vote well who's running Oh, well, Donald Trump and Joe Biden are running. Oh, well, what are they running on? Well, Joe Bi Donald Trump is a racist. Donald Trump hates minorities like you. He wants to send uh, all the Mexicans back to Mexico. Oh, and also he called our troops suckers and losers. Oh, my. So if you vote for Joe Biden, he's going to end the pandemic. There won't be any more COVID. So you there can won't imagine. be any more COVID. Yeah, it's the easiest thing in the world. They literally don't follow the news. They don't even know who's president anymore. Exactly. So like, if you want, I can turn on the television to the news. Oh, okay. And then turn on to MSNBC. MSNBC. That's the real news. Yep. Sheriff, Christ Sheriff Christopher Schmalling also noted that Racine County is just one of 72 counties, and Ridgewood is one of 11 facilities within that county. Racine County is the fifth most populous county in Wisconsin, which puts it kind of in the middle population-wise. He said that, quote, there are literally hundreds and hundreds of these facilities throughout the entire state of Wisconsin. We would be foolish to think for a moment that this integrity issue, this violation of the statute, occurred to just this small group of people at one care facility in one county in the entire state. So if you do the math on this, if extrapolated across the entire state, you've got 32 voters in this one care facility who voted above the average. So on average, they would have 10 people vote. This election, they had 42 people vote. So you had 32 voters above the average. We'll round that down to 30 because we'll just lowball it. We'll give the bare minimum. So you round that down to 30 oh, times the average of 10 care facilities for, per county because there were 11 facilities in this county. So we'll just say if every county has an average of 10 care facilities, it has an average of 30 illegitimate voters, like this care facility most likely did, times 72 counties. That comes to 21,600 votes. Biden won the state by 20,682. 
So the main question about all this is, of course, why didn't the national GOP, the Wisconsin GOP, and the Trump campaign fight Wisconsin Election Commission's directive tooth and nail all the way to the Supreme Court months before the election? Because the WC issued this directive back in March of 2020, and it's now coming out in at the end of 2021 just how much fraud was committed. And, of course, this is just one care facility like that sheriff mentioned. The Racine County Sheriff has since referred criminal charges to the Racine County DA's office against all five members of the six-member WEC who voted to deny special elections officers to nursing home facilities as required by law. Republican legislators have called on Wisconsin Election Commission Administrator Megan Wolf to resign, and the leading Republican candidate for next year's governor's race is calling on doing away with the WEC entirely, which the WEC should not exist. They literally exist not. to rubber stamp local fraud. They literally exist to rubber stamp, making things as easy as possible for Democrats to win elections yep. when they're supposed to be a nonpartisan. Well, they they are a bipartisan. They got three Republicans, three Democrats. They're supposed to be a bipartisan commission supposed to, to oversee be. elections. But they literally are carrying water for Democrats. They're they're leading the charge to kick the Green Party off of the ballot mm -hmm. and leave the other two parties on. As of th as of right now, the way things stand with that investigation that the Senate is conducting, the Senate's investigation is led by a special prosecutor who is a former Wisconsin Supreme Court Justice Michael Gableman. And at the time of this recording, he continues to carry out his investigation. And I think this is going to lead somewhere. This is of all the states um, that um, conducted have conducted investigations. I would say Wisconsin is probably uh, of all the states. Wisconsin is probably most likely to actually prosecute people, to actually bring people to account for the for, for the fraud that was committed. Because as it stands right now, Wisconsin Republicans are fired up. Because they, mm -hmm. they see what's happening. Most people around the country, they haven't been paying any attention. I didn't know anything about this case in Racine County. Most, I'm sure most people around the country, they don't know anything about it. Mainstream media obviously isn't going to cover this. And if they do, they make it look like this is just a witch hunt. One article that I read from a local news outlet is it described Michael Gableman as a Joseph McCarthy. And she basically says well, Joseph McCarthy that. has come back from the dead. Of course, Joseph McCarthy was from Wisconsin. And she's pointing out how Gableman, the tactics he uses, he's bullying legislators. He's acting just like Joseph McCarthy. And, of course, if they do cover it, this is how they, they just uh, produce it like a McCarthy-style witch hunt. But just judging on the facts we have, if you look at the, the alleged voter fraud that took place on the day of the election, I don't really see enough in that on the day of the election, like the overnight vote spike, to say that this was fraudulent. I think, I mean, the explanation they give, okay, they brought in the mail-in ballots from Milwaukee County. It, it wasn't like in uh, Georgia or Michigan where they didn't have any observation. They had uh, camera crews and poll workers who were – poll observers who were actually following this lady to the Milwaukee County Courthouse to tabulate the votes. Yeah, there was the one discrepancy of the one ward. But even if you want to say, okay, everything in that ward was fraudulent, at most you're going to get 1,000 votes. But with the case of Madison allowing people to turn in ballots early – before the date that they were supposed to be allowed to turn in ballots with them have being able anybody, any homeless person able, because think about it, any homeless person could just turn in any random absentee ballot in the, in these parks that plus the fact that if you extrapolate the results from this Racine County care facility throughout the entire state, there's obviously more fraudulent votes among the elderly than there were than the margin of victory that Biden beat Trump by. So I, I'm going to have to say um, of the states we've observed, this is the first one that I can say positively Trump did win Wisconsin. So even if you just look at the nursing home, potential nursing home fraud and the potential early voting fraud in Madison, there's clearly enough votes in those two fraudulent cases for Trump to have won the state of Wisconsin. So if I'm just going to take a ballpark guess, I'm going to say Trump probably won the state of Wisconsin by about 10 to 15,000 votes. 
And of course, I agree. And especially when you take into account, again, the conspiracy to completely nuke the Green Party off the ballot, that right there. That's that's yeah, actually take that's, that, account. that is definitely tampering with democracy. That is actually rigging an election in every sense of the phrase, getting a candidate just completely unpersoned off the ballot when they have always been. The Green Party is one of the three major third parties. They've always been on the ballot. So that right there is fraudulent. And yeah, Trump absolutely won Wisconsin. I agree with you on that one. And for the final state of the 2020 election that we will be covering here at The Right Take, the most contentious, the closest state of them all, Georgia. Georgia. 